It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right, Inside the Game Guys, the show, J.C. Sherbert here with you along with Phil Mullinax and going to get started right away on the McKellar Enterprises guest line and welcome in our friend, uh, our hero in a lot of ways, brings the hardcore recruiting scoop all the time on the Bigspur.com. <laughs> Hashtag hail yes, hail McGranahan, uh, chilling in his backyard today. Looks like a beautiful day, man. Real nice day in Columbia. Gorgeous day in Columbia. Outstanding, outstanding. Awesome. Hale is a, a a massive recruiting weekend. I, I, you know, you look at all the 2024 prospects that were in town uh, to experience that atmosphere. Uh, a lot of the commits were in town. And then there were some guys that, that South Carolina's uh, trying to flip uh, that headed uh, into town. So uh, kind of give us your overall uh, opinion on, on how the weekend went with the recruits and, uh, you know, some of the, the major feedback that you've gotten. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing another podcast hit today with with 24/7 and and one of the producers of the show I'm going to be on was asking me some questions about the weekend and and I kept trying to talk about the 2024 guys cuz it was such a ridiculous group and the collection of talent was was probably as good as it's been for a particular class since I've been covering South Carolina. Um and he should kept trying to reel me in like well what about the 2023 guys like there's some 2023s right it's like oh yeah yeah they had a Khalifa Keith running back committed to Kentucky and Terrence Love safety who's committed to Auburn and DJ Chester shows up out of nowhere and um, so every class whether it's 23 24 even some 25s uh, there was some really really talented guys there and and obviously when when it's an atmosphere like that game was that you know everybody who's is watching or listening right now has has watched probably at least once what happened Saturday night. Uh, maybe watched it again a couple times, and and they know like that, that place was rocking and it, it was as good as it's been. Uh, again, since I've been covering the team, and and the big difference is is that the team didn't kind of crap themselves and and get get their their butts kicked. They they actually played well and, and came away with the win and. Uh, you, you know, JC, we talk all the time uh, on the side about, you know, individual games, not not playing a big part in, in guys recruitment. But, you know, it, maybe it, it can be a little different when your team comes out and, and gets the break speed off of them. But things went really well with, with, with all the guys that I've had a chance to catch up with. I posted an interview with Jaden Bradford, 2024 quarterback on site just a little while ago. Heard from uh, a couple of those other 2024 guys as well. And and uh, just all, all positive returns. And, and I think a bigger thing, and, and Shane Beamer kind of alluded to this the other night, was even the guys who weren't there, re- recruits who, who they're, they're serious about, uh, have been reaching out and, and in communication with the staff since, and one of whom being being uh, Jordan, Jordan Thomas, a, a defensive tackle from uh, up in, in New Jersey, 2024 prospect. So all around just a, a very successful weekend for South Carolina on the field and recruiting wise. And, and again, that, that hadn't always been the case here recently. Terrence love intriguing prospect. Uh, I know it's a guy you and I've talked about 
behind the scenes sort of for months. Uh, interesting quotes that it wasn't as good as Auburn. Yeah. I've heard I've heard he's got I've heard Auburn's got a little help at that high school uh just uh through the grapevine on that. Um Auburn's not having a very good year, but I, I think with a lot of these kids that are interested in them, you know, hypothetically, let's say they fire Harson and, and hire Hugh Freeze, uh, I think interest is gonna pick back up in them real quick. I, I think there's a lot of waiting and seeing at, at Auburn right now, but you know, in spite of his quote, uh, you know, Gamecocks feel relatively confident about at least getting him in on an official, don't you think? I would think so, and and he's said said as much to me too. Like he he hadn't visited uh, since the summer, so getting him back just once for a game uh, was going to be obviously critical. Uh, and, and I think that the fact that that this past weekend was an unofficial. And he's still got that official in his back pocket. Maybe they can sit on that for, for a little bit and, and try to get him in in December uh, as close to signing day as possible. And 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 we'll see how that, that situation turns out at Auburn. But uh, I, I'm sort of the general belief, not just with, with this guy, but but other guys is if you can if you can sit on that official visit and and, and get it as close to signing day as possible, then then that's uh, maybe a benefit, something that can can work in your favor. That's usually when the flips happen, right? So, uh, so Khalifa Keith, uh, now three star kid, big back out of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw everybody kind of a a name here uh, about three star kids. You know, we're talking about three star kids out of Alabama. <laughs> while uh, while people are paying attention, I'm gonna take you down to Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, they uh, got a three-star kid at running back out of Alabama last year uh, from Pike Road, Alabama, named Quinshawn Judkins. How good is that guy? <laughs> I mean, he's everybody thought Zach Evans was going to run crazy for the Rebels this year, but uh-uh, it's it's Quinshawn Judkins. So um, I, I like taking guys from Alabama, and I think this is one of those sneaky good running back evaluations from Kentucky. Uh, I kind of credit the Gamecock staff for getting in on it. You know, just looking at his public comments, he seems he's interested. But, you know, the Wildcats have been pretty good lately. They obviously run the football. You know, what do you think uh, about him and, and the Gamecocks' chances there? Yeah, and, and Tennessee actually just offered, too. I, I think he's been oh. to a couple games in Knoxville this season as well. But I, I think if you look at what Tennessee does offensively, maybe that's – a little bit to South Carolina's favor, Kentucky too, for that matter. Um, but but I think again, sort of going back to the Terrence Love thing is like they needed to get him on campus. Keith, had, I don't I don't think he visited any, at any point along the way. So just getting him in in whatever capacity was was obviously important. And since this was an unofficial, then I, th- I think you got to like your chances of bringing him back for an official, just given how that game went and and how they really showcase the running game in the second half, not necessarily the first half, then the second half and uh, sort of what they've been able to do that way uh, throughout the season, and especially here lately. So I, I would think that, that again, another guy that you can probably count on coming back at some point down the road for an official visit and um, just add him to the queue of, of guys that are trying to flip. And uh, I think maybe there's another one who, 
who wasn't at the game this past Saturday, uh, told me he was not there in Lenore Cellar. So maybe they'll get back in at some point down the road. And uh, I don't know. That's what three guys counted up as potential flip candidates. So I'm yeah. interested to see if any others pop up between now and uh, in the middle of December. Yeah, you mentioned DJ Chester. That's a, you think they would take six offensive linemen in this class if he wanted to come? I, I think if he wanted to come, it might be hard to turn him down. Um, th- that was obviously a surprise. Not not really somebody that we had been tracking for a couple of different reasons. Obviously, they they've got their five committed right now, and and Chester. I, I don't think he'd been to Columbia since like March. And never mind the fact that he just hadn't really talked much at all about South Carolina here recently, much less even even back in the spring when, when they didn't have five guys committed. I, it just didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of traction there. But he brought his parents with him. It was an unofficial visit, so maybe he wants to use that 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 fifth official visit that he's got. I, I think he's supposed to be going up to Michigan this weekend, and he's used, used three already, so maybe, maybe this fifth one could be to South Carolina. I, I do know Florida State's been – one of the the big big contenders there, and and I don't think he's taken an official with them yet. So, kind of kind of in wait and see mode with him, and, and seeing what what else we can we can dig up. They almost Florida State almost flipped his teammate. What a weird situation. Uh, right. Zechariah Owens, and then all of a sudden he's back to being all in. So, uh, Florida State folks told me they were they, they were confident. So that's weird. Uh, Craiger asked, "Where's Chester from? He's from uh, is McDonough." Eagles Landing Christian, is that right, uh, Hale? Yeah, Eagles Landing yeah, Christian Academy in McDonough. In McDonough, Georgia. Um, all right, so uh, you mentioned Sellers. Uh, I'll just tell everybody now, I don't know that I'm very confident in, in that flip, but I know they're going to try. So uh, I, I think there's some things they have to work through, uh, including the relationship that he has with the Syracuse OC, uh, a potential Georgia offer. North Carolina is sniffing around a little bit on him. Um, so I, uh, you know, that would be my take. And, and anything there you disagree with, Hale, or you think uh, uh, are you more confident than me at this point? No, I'm I'm right there with you. I think there's a little bit of a little bit of work to do. Obviously, the the timing of the offer, just from the standpoint of of increasing your chances, the timing of the offer probably could have been a little bit better. Uh, I was sort of of the opinion that uh, as soon as Dylan Lonergan uh, as soon as as soon as they knew he was going to Alabama, I I thought it was time to pull the trigger on on an offer for sellers. So that would have been, you know, mid to late June. Uh, by the time the writing was on the wall there, and Lonergan committed in early July. So I, I I thought something probably could have happened then, but it didn't for whatever reason. And, and it's not like the South Carolina staff didn't know about him. They obviously did. He'd been to campus a few times. They'd seen him throw. Uh, they, they knew all about him. The, the head coach at South Florence High School is is not like a pro Clemson guy by any means, and I, I don't want to misrepresent him. But I, I think he might be pro Carolina guy, but it's not like you know they were trying to hide him or you know not being totally forthcoming about anything like that. Like that, everything was you know kind of right there, ready for it to happen, and it took a couple months longer than maybe it should have, but. The offer's there, and, and they're going to try to get him on campus this weekend. And and again, when Tennessee's in town, so we'll we'll see if if he makes good on on those opportunities and, and comes back to Columbia. I mean, he was he was at the Georgia State game uh, to open the season. Uh, I don't I don't think that's to be 
overlooked because you know he he did show up and visit without an offer when uh, quite frankly he, he didn't know that an offer would be coming uh, much less two months later so or a month later um so yeah work to be done not totally out of the realm of possibility that, that they're able to flip him and, and get him in the class but uh yeah definitely some work to be done there Caden Honeycomb Lee. Now, this interesting kid. Uh, like him, don't love him. Uh, UCF, Ole Miss. I don't know where Ole Miss is at with him right now. Uh, high three-star kid. Third high school, though, in three yeah. years. Hillgrove, Westlake, and, and now Kennesaw Mountain. Uh, I know Justin Steph was out there watching him. What, what's, what, what are you hearing on this guy, if anything? And uh, – uh, where should Gamecock fans have him in terms of their uh, mindset when it, it comes to receiver recruiting? Yeah, he's he's a little interesting that way. Doesn't doesn't do a whole lot of recruiting related stuff, which is a little bit odd to me, considering he is a receiver, uh, and those guys temp- typically, you know, are a little more out there uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I, I just – I don't know that he's taken all that many visits here this season or even I, – I don't know that he even went anywhere over the summer for, for mm. visits or camps or anything like that. He's just very low-key that way and, and doesn't have a whole lot to say. Um, when, when talking about the the recruiting aspect of, of his football career, but a, a guy that Step has, has tried to tried to be in on for pretty much the entire entire – 2022 uh, calendar so uh, you know he's visited a couple times and you know there for a while it looked like South Carolina was going to have to rely on the portal again to, to add to this receiver class of CJ Adams and um, and Kelton Henderson so uh, you know and they've obviously offered a couple 2023 receivers here recently and uh, like you said step was was at his game on at, at honeycomb's game on on Friday so I Maybe there's something cooking there. I, I don't know for sure. I haven't heard a lot of specifics about whether or not uh, this thing's kind of back on and, and he could show up for a visit here uh, before the end of the season. So so we'll see. But a good player, uh, comparable in, in my opinion to, to Mazio Bennett, the 2024 guy, and there's some discussion about, about those two guys and, and how they – kind of compare because physically they're about the same, like the 5'11", 175, 180 range, uh, similar type of player. Um, so uh, we shall see. I, I Again, I do know South Carolina is certainly not done with, with two commits at receiver for, for this class and would probably try to get a couple more. So we'll see if uh, if there's anything really brewing there with him. 2024 was off the chain. Uh, eight top 100 players <laughs> on campus uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, uh, the highest-ranked guy, K.J. Bolden from Buford, is that more like a initial visit, courtesy visit, or, you know, your thoughts on that? Carolina, I guess the last guy they got from Buford High was uh, Yvonne Banag, um, mm-hmm. and they got a JUCO kid, Steven Singleton, that uh, – was at Buford and then signed with LSU and ended up coming back to Carolina. And he was a, he was a total bust. Banag was a good special teams player for a couple of years and that was it. But uh, Buford's usually tough sledding for the Gamecocks, especially their highly rated guys. 
but I think it's a good sign uh, that he was there in that environment. That's all you can really do, right? Yeah, and it's not his first time either visiting South Carolina. He he came in over the summer and and watched watched a camp session. I want to say he'd been before that. I want to say he'd visited at least once, maybe twice before that. Uh, he's a pretty well traveled guy though. He gets out a lot, so it's um, it's not like he's just visiting South Carolina by any means. Um, and number five overall player in the country. So obviously he's got the big boys after him. You know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson are all are all in the mix there. So so we'll see. I mean, if he if he keeps showing up, coming back for for more visits, that's that's good for Carolina. I, that's, I don't. He's not coming back for another game in in Columbia this season. But uh, you know, I, I think the goal at this point would probably be probably would be to try to get him on one of those junior day guest lists uh, for, you know, January, February, uh, whenever those, those weekends are going to happen early next year. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been in a few times and if he keeps coming back, you know, maybe the Carolina Gamecocks have a chance to uh, go toe to toe with, with some of those, those teams that uh, recruit better than everybody else in the country. One guy I like, I guess 24-7 sports isn't as high on him as the rest of the recruiting industry right now at this early stage. Dylan Stewart, uh, defensive end for Friendship Collegiate in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've been to French, Friendship Collegiate before for a visit. I'll just say it was interesting. Had to park out back, lock the gate, you know. Uh, uh, lots of activity around the school. Uh, Eddie Goldman who played for the Bears for a while, played at Florida State, five-star guy, uh, went to friendship. Uh, this kid, 6'4", 220, number 37 overall in composite. Uh, he was there, right? Yeah. He was okay. there with a bunch of, bunch bunch of, of guys. Too. Bunch yeah. of guys from D.C. So, uh, you know, I, I think Carolina, I've maintained, they have a golden opportunity in that part of the country. Uh, you know, your thoughts on uh, the early stages of his recruitment. Yeah, he's another guy who came up, you know, came down during the summer. Uh, he, he worked out at one of the lineman camps that, that they hold in the stadium at Williams Bryce. So he'd been on the field before and, and seen what it's like in there empty in, in the middle of June. So uh, I guess you could say that last Saturday, this past Saturday was a nice introduction for for what it's like uh, when there's there's actually people in there in the game. So uh, I think he is probably still the, the top top defensive end target for South Carolina in 2024. Uh, they, they really like him. Sterling Lucas has been all over him since, you know, if not the summer, then, then maybe the spring. Um, but uh, one, of the, one of his top guys, one of the top guys just overall – for, for South Carolina in that class. And it was huge getting him back down. And I, I think it's probably a good thing when, when you can have a guy like that who's who's joined by some teammates. And those teammates aren't necessarily guys that, that South Carolina is recruiting, but but they're guys who, you know, get to experience that environment and, and go potentially have a good time and, and feel good about about their experience there. And, and maybe that can, you know, help help him at some point down the road when, when he's got his teammates saying like, Oh man, you remember that trip to Carolina, South Carolina? Like that was real cool down there. That'd be, that'd be awesome. If you, if you know, maybe that's, that's you playing there one day. So uh, I think maybe there's some potential benefit that way and, and having some 
some of his his buddies around him for for a game like that. Tone Hill McGranahan for the BigSpur.com. Wrap it up here. Recruiting chat. Uh, okay, so everybody's going to ask about quarterbacks. Uh, Bradford, you said, was on campus. It's interesting to me because I, I, I've i been a Bradford guy over Reno. But you sold me. Uh, I started reading, kind of read the stuff you wrote about him, and I, I went and took a look, and then I was like, ah, that's a tough call, and I love Reno's arm and his intangibles. Uh, but what about Bradford? I mean, could they take two in twenty twenty four? What what was his kind of uh, because you know the talk was he's going to Penn State, but the hometown team has a lot of pull. I, I still think you know for a kid that grew up yeah. there. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Hometown team obviously grew up in a family of Gamecock fans. I went to Carolina games growing up. His dad played football at Gardner Webb when Jimmy Lindsay was an assistant coach there. So um, there, there are some some connections that uh, that you don't always necessarily come across in recruiting. And you know, Justin Steps been even though he coaches receivers and this guy's a quarterback. Justin Steps heavily involved in the recruitment. Obviously, Marcus Satterfield as well. Uh, Nick Coleman, who's an analyst, is is playing a part. I mean, even Zeb Nolan is is plays a part. Like there, there's there's a lot of guys who who are recruiting this one to South Carolina, and and I think maybe some of the the specifics of of how the the quarterback class could shape up in 2024 might might be dependent upon some other things. You know, the the 2023 situation and and how that plays out is probably a factor. The actual current roster is probably a factor. I mean, that they, they've clearly got a bunch of guys who, who are on scholarship at, at the quarterback position right now, and and I think we we all know and can admit and talk about freely and comfortably that you know some of those guys are going to end up transferring. Like that's just it's the nature of it. Yeah, I mean, if you look if you look at it, just again across across the board in college football, generally speaking, about half the quarterbacks who signed with a school are going to end up transferring. So um, whatever combination of, of that group looks like uh, in the South Carolina room right now, it's at least half of them, if not more, aren't going to be there when Dante Reno, Dante Reno and or Jane Bradford show up and, and are on the team. So um, I, I think that's kind of a, a juggling act that this staff and every other staff in the country has to play when, when it comes to recruiting the position. Certainly delicate because quarterbacks <laughs> don't always necessarily like it when when there's a, a lot of guys being brought in, especially more than one being brought in with their class. Um, the key there is, is being up front and communicating all that with your guys. And if, if they're okay with it as as things are playing out, then that's great. And, and South Carolina's been able to, uh, I don't want to say pull it off because it, it hadn't all happened yet, but um, – that's that's a juggling act that they've been working for for a while now. And both both Bradford and Reno are, were certainly aware of each other, and, and from best I can tell, everything I've heard that uh, they're they're certainly aware that that both guys are being recruited and they could be in a class together. So uh, how that plays out again, we'll we'll see. There are, there are a lot of variables in play, and and it kind of remains to be seen what happens but then again if if Jaden Bradford ends up committing to 
Penn State or Louisville or NC State or somebody else. It's uh, maybe it's just a one-man class for South Carolina quarterback in twenty-four. Yeah, quarterback is interesting, folks. Prepare. There's going to be. I mean, because we all. I like all the quarterbacks they brought in. You know, I, I think my opinion of of Satterfield's recruiting at the positions a mile and a half on the other side of my opinion of the offense. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I even like the Daniels kid they brought in from JUCO in California. Hell, he may he may be better than all of them. I mean, he's that's just how this stuff goes. I think it's smart though for Shane Beamer, Taylor Edwards, Sat, whoever to sign as many good ones that you can when you can. Because you can go from, you know, loaded to none pretty quick. I've seen it happen at Ohio State, places like Alabama. You know, there's been years where if Alabama had had a quarterback injury, uh, I think this year's probably one of them. You know, they're, they're a totally different team. So, uh, I think it's smart what they're doing. All right, Hale, we appreciate it, man. Good luck on the other podcast today. Enjoy the – it's raining where I'm at, so I'm jealous, but enjoy it. It's about to get cold. So enjoy your uh, beautiful afternoon, and uh, we appreciate you being with us. Appreciate it, fellas. Y'all be good. Thanks, Hale. That's a hail yes. Hail McGrath. Yeah, yes. Um, I'll answer these questions in the Nanosports chat box as quickly as I can. HJM2 says, with the quarterback controversy brewing and Clemson, I think we should make a move to flip their quarterback committee. Can't be pleased with the prospect of a guy one year ahead of him taking over this year. I don't think he – well, I don't know if you saw that. Cade threw two passes. I don't think – I mean, they're not they're not replacing DJ. Yeah, they didn't really open the playbook up when they put him in there. So Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I, and I, there's something to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe DJ keeps struggling, but – uh, I think that was just more like this guy's a turnover machine is going to cost us the game. Let's put the other kid in, just have him hand it off. And that's exactly what they did. Credit Clemson. They just handed it off and won the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Crager says Harbor caught like four or five passes for 240 yards, four or five touchdowns Friday night. Is he still being low key? And it's the long haul for him. Yeah, I don't think he's close to a decision. I still feel pretty good about where Carolina stands, though. Uh, Clint says, I've heard people meet Nate, mentioned Nate Branch. I'd hate to see another Jaden McGowan scenario. Yeah, McGowan's doing pretty well at, at, uh, at Vandy. I, I do maybe wish they'd have taken a look at him because of his speed. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know even if he'd have worked out that, that his size is just an issue. And you've already got Amari and Brown there. Um, I, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Speed oversize. Okay. Uh, but I, what I heard was it was weight. The size was a, of an issue. You know, it wasn't like this guy was just small and, and, and fat. It was it was an issue. So I don't know. Uh, if you're Vandy, I think you take everybody you can possibly take that runs that fast. Yeah, and anybody that wants to go up there that's quick. Yeah, you. you yeah. Take him. <laughs> and, and, and it's, in hindsight, Clint, I would have offered him. I mean, he's been among the leading receivers in, in the SEC this year. Made a lot of really good plays. Once he's gone, he's gone. Uh, but, but I still kind of halfway understand why not. Now, that's hard for me to sit here and BS and say when Jalen Hyatt is doing what Jalen Hyatt is with the speed he's got. But uh, McGowan is shorter than than Hyatt. He's not. He's not. You know, he's 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 dramatically short. How about that? <laughs> so I, I don't know. 
maybe says it's Dylan retweeted one of Hale's tweets. Of course, Hale has lots of great relationships with recruits. Oh, yeah. uh, Sean says, what do they look like with Harbor? I think the Gamecocks are top two, maybe lead, maybe second. Uh, Saunders says that Hale discussed Chester's visit, brought his parents. Seems a little more than a ride along. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe that if they can get an official, maybe that's somebody they consider. If not, he was just taking a nice visit. Uh, I'm the late stone says Rattler should, but is not coming back. Mm. That's a tough one. Maybe, maybe not. It all depends on the feedback he gets from the league. Well, and I also think. And then he could always transfer. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting. You know, Uh, I don't know. I see. I I don't know. Will he come back with a new OC? Will he come back with the same OC? Uh, I don't know what's in his head, you know, as far as his opinion about that. Uh, Carolina Titans says people hate Dabo. (laughs) But the one thing you have to respect about him is he will pull a quarterback if they are really messing up. Most coaches do. Mm-hmm. Most coaches do. I don't think, I don't think Rattler's got risen to the level of being benched this year. Uh, maybe people disagree, but that's about it. I mean, but that's that. That's just my opinion. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna answer this from Zach, and then we'll get to the break and get to um, our boy, the Mental Edge Sawyer next. Zach says, I'm worried about our O-line next year. I mean, who has any eligibility left? I mean, we know we have several recruits coming in, but we can't start all freshmen. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Vershawn Lee has eligibility. Uh, Tyshawn Wanamaker, eligibility. Ja'Kai Moore has eligibility. Jalen Nichols has eligibility. That's what I just rattled off, what, four starters? Uh, Wanam's gone. Gwen's gone. Douglas is gone. You got Trey Jones, who's going to be, I think, pretty good. Uh, you got uh, Case and Henry from the freshman class that's going to be ready to step in. Wyatt Campbell has improved quite a bit. Um, Does he still have a year? Yeah. Maybe, oh, yeah, with COVID year. Yeah. With the COVID year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, they're bringing in Isaiah Jada from junior college. I'm not worried about that. Because <laughs> I think, honestly, especially at center, there's going to be some up- there'll be some upgrades there, in my opinion. I mean – uh, I think I think some of these guys are going to actually be in performing a little bit more consistent and better. Um, Cam says that throw to Brooks where Brooks was knocked out after trying to catch the ball was a next level NFL big time throw. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll be fine with Rattler moving on. I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm done. Man, I don't understand what your problem is with him. I mean, obviously, Obviously, he's not in the right offense for a skill set. And and obvious, I mean, like in the NFL, I doubt he's wasted like this. Um, the guy made several throws only uh, like uh, Saturday night. That there's only like two or three people. And one of the announcers said only two or three people in the country that can make those. Uh, he can't help but the kid dropped it or they didn't call P.I. You know, he makes mistakes like every other quarterback would in this system. You want to play Luke Doty? We'll see how that works, you know, and I love Luke Doty, but I, I, you know, everybody used the quarterback as an excuse last year. I'm not going to let it happen this year. I think it's bull crap. Uh, I I thought it was bull crap last year. Okay. So I don't know what the deal is. AJM, man, you were so upset because you predicted a blowout win uh, against a team that's super talented, but not playing that well. 
that Carolina has never beaten. And the Gamecocks almost won by double digits, okay? It was kind of flukish that they didn't. They led from start to finish. Uh, I understand the disappointment with the offense, but, you know, this, this crapping all over Rattler and being done and all that just because over a six-point win over a team you were an underdog to at home because your prediction wasn't right? Come on, man. And I understand that. I get, I get, emo- I get mad sometimes when – Teams don't play well when I predict them to. I get mad, but, but, but let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, by the way, they're they're in Disney, more crappy Disney news. They're they're changing t- uh, Blizzard Beach to a, a frozen themed freaking water park. Yeah, I kind of see that one coming, right? <laughs> I'll be taking I'll be taking a leak in that wave pool if I ever get <laughs> <head> there. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, um, all right. We well, got to break, JC. Yeah, I know. I want to see what Sawyer. I want to see if Sawyer is a Disney guy and what he thinks of that. We'll be back, Sawyer. Next, the Mental Edge. Right after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Gamecocks. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. J.C. Sherbert there. Phil Mullinax here. We're joined by Sawyer Nix on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. And uh, well, we'll just take it up where, right where we left off. You, are you a Disney guy, Sawyer? <laughs> uh, it's it's hard not to be. I mean, they have a grip on everything. The market, <laughs> the, you know, um, the songs are catchy. Um, it, it's, I would say Disney is one of the premier brands, right? Uh, so sure it is. It is definitely, um, right before we get to you, sorry, I'm going to address this lady Bree says it's not more sad than rat rat was not performing well before he got here either. Um, whatever happened at Oklahoma happened, uh, he was completing 70% of his passes in that offense, uh, I'm not sure that he wouldn't have turned it around. They they had O-line issues. They had to play somebody with wheels who came in there and sparked their team. That's all it was, more so than than Rattler. Um, you know, I, I think that a coach's job is to set their players up for success. And it's not just Spencer Rattler that, that's not being – it's Juice Wells, it's Gene Bell, it's Jalen Brooks, it's uh, Austin Stockner. Uh, it's Marshawn Lloyd and a half. Uh, so that there's there's my problem with it. You know, I, I, I and I agree the, the situational play calls leave a lot to be desired. All right, we'll get back to all that in the Nana Sports Chat Box. Sawyer, I want to talk today about resilience. Um, South Carolina, I thought, was, was extremely resilient, uh, both in the Kentucky game after the half in kind of putting them away and keeping them from making a run. And then against A&M particularly, you know, what can you say about that mindset and how that's developed over the last four, four games? Well, absolutely. I think it's something that we have to develop. It's not, we're not born with 
resiliency. Um, we have to have a mindset that is uh, bouncing back. And, then, and that's how I see resiliency is, is not only bouncing back, but bouncing back and landing another punch or counter punch. Uh, and I think that's what, what I think of resiliency. It, it's bouncing back, but it's even taking another step further. And I think that's something that individuals and teams have to develop over time. It doesn't happen overnight. And it starts with belief and their core beliefs, and, and they exhibited that. You know, you got off to a hot start, um, then things were kind of shaky in, in the middle, and then in the end, um, they continued to persevere um, and did what they need needed to do to get the win. As I mentioned last time, it would I predict it was going to be a, a game in the fourth quarter. It was. Um, I predicted that it would be an ugly win and you know at the beginning it was like okay 17 points and i kind of got nervous about my pick i'm like I, I was really wrong and then not so fast my friends as corso says and uh things ended up being being a little bit closer um i can't believe they didn't put a different quarterback in there when when the poor a m guy couldn't even throw a pass i'm like where you know, that was kind of a, Yeah, he didn't look yeah. good. Yeah, he, he looked really healthy. Their, their freshman came in. I thought he battled hard. Obviously, has a lot of arm talent uh, and all that good stuff. So, it's, uh, uh, it's um, you know, it, it's it, – it, it, maybe Carolina dodged a bullet there. Right. I see Connor Wagman after two games or something like that. Because I, I, I have a gut feeling that kid's going to go out there and, you know, Jimbo Fisher knows how to kind of scale it back for a young guy like that. And um, I think they'll uh, – I think the Aggies will, will win some games down the stretch. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Yeah. Well, um, and then seeing some of the players that have a high motor, to me that's also resiliency. It's, it's, if you have a high motor and you do get down – it, it's having that high motor to get back up. And certainly Zach Pickens is one of those guys. Lloyd is one of those guys. And the rest of the team is energized. You know, when they see those players, Tonka Hemingway continuing to get after it. Um, and, and I heard some of this, I guess, yesterday. Didn't finish listening to all the show. But um, there's kind of mention of some of the, the lesser name guys having their moments. And I think that just speaks to the team effort and speaks to the resiliency of – of everyone and what the coaches are trying to get to. And, and again, that, that mantra of um, mantra of win ugly. And I think it's going to continue the rest of the season will be some of that. I don't know that it's going to be a lot of glorified, you know, slams, uh, but that, a win's a win and we just want to keep winning. And that's going to help the program. And that's going to further um, encourage the kids because they don't care if they win ugly or not. I mean, the fans were like, oh, well, you know, it's closer and this happened and that happened. They don't care. It's a win. They don't – they're building off of their mistakes. They're learning. They're improving. But overall, they see it as a win, and that's what continues to give them more energy and, and even more of a motor and encouragement to keep this thing going. I don't know. that. I, I, I didn't necessarily think the wins have been ugly. I, I, I think – if you think about – South Carolina, if you think it's the SEC, okay, it's a fact of life. You're going to have games like that, right? You're, you're right. not going to blow everybody out. You know, you're, Georgia is a prime example of that. You know, they blew out Carolina and Oregon, and next thing you know, Kent State's kind of getting to them at home. 
Like, I shrugged that off. They go to Columbia, Missouri, and only win by four, have to come rally and win. Right. Um, you know, uh, last year, that Auburn team shouldn't have been on the same field as Alabama. They should have won the game. Uh, in this league, it's just you're going to have games like that. Coach Spurrier had games like that. Uh, the right. difference really between Steve Spurrier and Will Muschamp, at least in, you know, Muschamp's first – I'll give him his first three and a half years is that Spurrier's close games that were kind of ugly usually went his way and Muschamp's usually went the other way. <laughs> uh, that's just, that, just kind of how it went. You know, you think about the close losses to A&M, Will had the the blowout uh, that he had working at Florida that he blew. Um, you know, you, you, then you think about Coach Spurrier, I'll give you an example. Probably the best team he had was 2012. Uh, Tennessee comes to town. They're terrible. I think uh, Doolander's still coaching them, right? Um, <laughs> and Justin Worley, uh, and that's the game. Unfortunately, was the last game of Marcus Lattimore's career, so he got hurt. It's not like the it's not like the sales came out. The wind came out of the sales. Were, hey, Justin Worley's got him on a drive down thirty eight thirty five at the end, firing at almost firing at the end zone for the win, which has been a big upset at the time. And fortunately, Jadevi and Clowney got to him and. Knock the ball loose. Now, the next year in Knoxville, Clowney is a half inch from doing the same thing. Millimeter. Worley gets the pass off to Marquez North, and they upset the Gamecocks in a terrible loss. But uh, that's just the way it is in this league. I mean, you're going to have – you're going to go right. up against team. Everybody's, everybody's pretty good. So, you're going to go yeah. up against teams sometimes that, you know, are going to surprise you. Carolina led from beginning to end. Uh, I thought the offense, if you want to talk about mental approach here with the offense, uh, after it was kind of a struggle the second half, when they needed two touchdown drives, they got two touchdown drives. Right. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the the players, they do what the coaches put in front of them. And, and obviously a, a lot of fans are frustrated with what the, the coaches, at least offensively, are putting in front of them. But the players, are they're simply trying to do the task that's in front of them. Whatever the coach says, they're just trying their best to execute that and put forth their best foot forward. Um, and I think that's something that we see with uh, Lloyd, you know, in, in terms of there's an article in the Big Spur about, you know, perhaps defending, and I don't know if that's the right language, defending sat. And I think it's just – they acknowledge that they've made some mistakes and they need to improve and they need to continue their focus week to week and day to day on the things that they need to do. And that, that that's their focus. They're letting the coaches organize the plays, call the plays. They're just out there to, to take the steps and execute. And, and part of that going back to resilience is, is that continuing to be strong and, and take steps forward when things don't go smoothly, continuing to plug away and chip away and take care of their assignments. I agree. I, th- I think that's that's important. Play assignment football, all that good stuff. I'll put the Satterfield. The chat box is blowing up with Satterfield yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'll put that to. I'll address that in the second hour. How about that? Um, <laughs> some sad news: Mississippi State offensive lineman took his own life. It appears uh, we may have touched on this last week, but. Uh, can you kind of give everybody out there, you know, you, there may be somebody that's uh, – uh, maybe somebody out there is hurting to listen to this show. Just kind of going to talk about that for a second and, and uh, explain to people, you know, uh, we get fired up about football around here and other subjects. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, there's more to life than that. Life is precious and, and all that good stuff. And if people are hurting, there are resources. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think 
one of the best things we can do is listen. I think sometimes, uh, especially stereotypically men, uh, we listen to fix things. Um, we listen to, to get things over with. But I think if we can generally, you know, listen to people that are hurting and, uh, and maybe we won't have all the answers. Our job's not necessarily to fix. Um, I would say, uh, you know, that's part of my job as a professional is not even to fix, but to be a to advocate for those that are, that are struggling. Uh, but certainly a listen and, and to when people make comments of, you know, uh, maybe I'm just better off, you know, if I weren't here, maybe if I just, you know, I, I think we'll give stuff away. Um, when those happen, you know, certainly invest um, and check in on folks, uh, whether it's coworker, family, friend, you know, let them know, acknowledge, don't, um, you know, arguing with them usually doesn't work. Um, denying them like, oh, it's not as bad as you think doesn't always help things. It's, it's how can we help you come alongside you? How can we make things better and, and simply listen and then get them either the, the suicide hotline or, you know, check in and try and provide, get a local provider of mental health services to, to connect with them. And that's, that's, that's important. Again, there's lots of stress that uh, people deal with. Uh, especially, you know, college. I mean, I, I can't imagine the hours that they dedicate to football. And then you got a professor with major tests and major papers and relationships and family. And um, that's that's very stressful. And certainly in, in adults' lives, there's lots of stressors. But certainly uh, we want to be able to help people get through that. And uh, there are providers out there that certainly want to advocate and come alongside people through those challenging times because those dark days, they don't last, you know, things are maybe not going to be great. You're not going to be, um, Mr. Monopoly and be a millionaire next day, but you, you can still make progress and, and have a successful life and God gives us life and value. And, um, that's something we want to uh, be thankful for every day and not take for granted. And so hopefully we can, continue plugging away and we can be resilient and not only um, facing our, our challenges and struggles and trying to make the most of, of every opportunity and getting through a situation, but also we can be alongside others as they, as they struggle and just be there supporting them. So you're next, the mental edge, anything else uh, today before we wrap it up? No, I, I think I'm, you know, again, predicting uh, another win. I'll be at the game this, this week. Um, so I think the line was five, so I, I can see them maybe winning by seven to 10, uh, probably a lower scoring game, similar to Texas A&M. Um, if not, maybe lower than what the score was. So we'll be, I'll be interested to see, but I'm encouraged by the, what the players have demonstrated in their attitude, uh, and their fortitude and their resilience to keep going on that theme, just to, to see them continue plugging away and chipping away and they're not being distracted by again what things should be you know the fact that well we should have been up 24 or 30 points in the first half not 17 um or the fact that we shouldn't have you know allowed certain plays on defense or on special teams certainly i think limbo is again he's one of the the best staff members in terms of trying to connect with the kids to get buy-in from them but they didn't have a loss game either. You know, the extra point was a bit of a mistake. 
Um, certainly the, the onside kick, you know, that, that's, but those are learning opportunities and, and they'll have those corrected and uh, they're going to continue plugging away and fighting. So I'm really excited over the next few games, uh, big opportunities for the team. Uh, but with big opportunities comes the chance for big rewards to certainly go into that Tennessee game. But of course the team, they're very much focused on this week and in the task that's ahead of them this week. And they know just like Texas A&M, uh, Missouri hung with Georgia. I'm sure the coaches are going to point that out. Hey, you got beat, even though transitive property is not appropriate. You know, they're going to use that as motivation. The coaches are going to do whatever they need to do to grab the attention of the players so that they focus on their task and their assignments. And and I can see the the coaches certainly pointing that out. The team that hung 50 whatever on you uh, was in there at the last minute with with uh, Missouri, kind of clo closer game that, sh that it should have been. And that'll grab the players' attention for sure. Outstanding. Sawyer, thanks so much for another great segment, The Mental Edge, each and every Tuesday right here on Inside the Game Cox the Show. You have a great day, a great week, man, and enjoy Columbia. I will. Um, and we'll have to figure out – I forgot to uh, message you earlier. We'll have to figure out a giveaway, if not today, for later on in the week. We can certainly do sure. that. So we'll have to come up with something. Outstanding, Sawyer. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Thank you. Have a great week. All right. Man, I know the chat box. Chat box is going to blow up today. Uh, let's get back here. Lady Bree MMA. Man, you guys are looking to hang sat no matter what. That's not true. No. He no, has he issues, just, but you can't hang everything on that guy. If he doesn't have looking more well old by the end of the year, then sure. I mean, I just see the same thing every week. I mean, we, we saw the same thing at Kentucky. We saw against A&M. Early momentum, other other units, other phases of the game, that phase stumbling. Uh, look, I'd like, I'd like nothing better than to eat my words on him. Mm -hmm. I would love nothing better because I'm tired of watching it. <laughs> I mean, wins honest. and losses in season are one thing too, JC, but it's like I, I think – I think Mazio Bennett is a good kind of illustration as to why, even if you win, there could still be issues, right? Because now yeah. you've got a, a local receiver who doesn't like the way the offense is, you know, planned yeah. and executed. So he, you know, it looks fun somewhere else. So you don't want to yeah. lose a guy like that because your offense doesn't look quite as fun. And this program has to recruit receivers in state. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. feasted off recruit in state recruits. I'll say this, Lady Bree, too. When I am critical of him, I, I'm not in a vacuum here. And it's not, and I don't have like one buddy on the staff, like, you know, a buddy, you know, like one guy I talk to, and he's not a fan. Therefore, I'm not a fan. Uh, I've, I've vetted this with a lot of folks. And unfortunately, you know, I, and I understand the people out there that love to look at film, they, they kind of are intrigued by him because he's got some well-designed stuff. But there's other parts of it that, that are unnecessary, like the seven-word play call. <laughs> Nobody in college does that. I mean, I, Clemson's offense probably isn't as creative or complex. I mean, it, it's old. You know, because it's the same thing Chad Morris sort of ran. It's just evolved a little bit uh, through time. They don't even go fast anymore. They just sort of hand the ball off. 
but man, everybody knows where they're going at all times. There's very few mistakes. There's very few, you know, guys are open. If it's third and seven, they throw this. If it's third and nine, if this is open, they go here. Um, and I, I don't know why that didn't happen at Carolina, but uh, so so I wanted you to know this is and this is not just me going, you know, oh, like sitting out here going, oh, well, the offense is scoring and they're messing up, therefore let's fire the OC. I don't roll that way. In fact, I defended Kurt Roper up until like the A and M game the year he got fired. You know, I defended BMAC. I still defend Mike Bobo. You know, and those results were not good. It's not the results. Uh, it, it's more based on information. Cam says, "Why don't y'all try to walk on or put in for the OC position?" <laughs> uh, I'm not a play caller, uh, and uh, I'm past my prime. Uh, but Cam, just understand, like you know, where I'm coming from. I can only speak for me. I, I feel bad for the players because there's a lot of good players on this team that aren't getting the ball, that need to get the ball, that would allow the game cost to score some more points. Lady Bree. And I don't agree with this. Let's be fair. This team has pieced together last year, and this year we're trying to get a bunch of transfers working together. I don't know why everyone's expecting so much in so little time. Other teams have transfers. I mean, the transfer port, everybody else does. Uh, they don't have problems learning the offense. Uh, look at old, I mean, old, they have problems learning that offense at Ole Miss? No. No, uh-uh. and it looks different this year than it did last year because of the players that are on the field. Yeah, and a different guy helping Lane call the plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LSU has a bunch of transfers. It took their offense a little while to gel for sure. But all right, so so who are the transfers? Antoine Wells, who's not the problem. He's not running wrong routes. He's just not getting the ball. And Austin mm-hmm. Stogner, ditto. Who else is a transfer? Amarian Brown's in his second year. Yeah. Uh, Josh Spencer Vance Rattler, is here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler is a transfer, but uh, maybe it's Devonnie Reed's fault. Let's blame Devonnie Reed. <laughs> uh, so, so, so I'm not really buying that. But look, Lady Bree, you want to give him to the end of the year? Fine. I'm going to shut up about it for the most part. If somebody brings it up, I'll talk about it. But, um, you know, that's it. Cam says, Lady Bree, because we have a bunch of fans who thinks Beamer is supposed to make. Holy water out of toilet water. So many unrealistic expectations. Uh, well, if you're somebody that thinks he didn't inherit a good roster or a lot of talent from Will Muschamp, then you're wrong too. Yeah. Bottom line. Uh, I think it's taken a while for these guys to believe how to win, and I'm happy that that's happened. And I think you got to credit the coaching staff. But this notion that Muschamp didn't leave any players is stupidly wrong. And and look at who's look at the games. Look at the result. Look who's making the plays. You know. <laughs> I mean, who so, – so so Wells needs the ball more. He's new. Stogner needs the ball more. He's new. Muschamp left Brooks. You know, he didn't leave Rattler. He did leave Doty, who some people are clamoring for. He left the whole offensive line. You know, he left the whole defensive line. Uh, yeah, because Gilbert Edmonds has too. Uh, mm-hmm. All the linebackers – well, not, not Debo Williams, but, he, you know, the two starting linebackers he left. Cam Smith, he left Darius Rush. You know, didn't leave any safeties, didn't leave a whole lot of depth at receiver. He left Marshawn Lloyd. You know, I, this is what I'm not getting. There, there's not. I mean, I'm glad they're five and two. I think that's great. They've rebounded from an atrocious start. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I, I think it's great. Uh, but on the offense, I'm just going to call it like it's see it because I think this team could be even better. I'm sorry for having higher expectations. I'm not coming down on Shane Beamer at all. 
I think he's done a hell of a job. I mean, look at how they're performing. Like, okay, and, and this is what good coaches do. This is why Shane Beamer is a great head coach. Is that okay? You have a deficient area of your team in all three phases. All right, so you got to start fast. Well, one way to do that's on offense, and you go down and score, right, Phil? Well, yeah. heck, that wasn't happening. It's still not happening. So Beamer's just like, we'll win anyway. Let's start fast on defense and special teams. Yep. So you know. Lady Bree, it has nothing to do with the words pro style. Uh, I do think that trying to copy the Rams is asinine, considering what they do. If you wanted to copy the Chiefs or the Cardinals, no problem. Yeah. I'd copy I mean, the Chiefs. Could, yeah, you could do exactly what he's doing, just getting it, the ball into the hands of your playmakers and shortening the length of the call. Uh, you know, I mean, there's Nobody's saying I, I. I don't understand. I mean, nobody's saying Satterfield's an idiot, right? I mean, he's obviously not. Smart, not. Yeah. yeah, and you can see these plays that they're running, and the. I mean, some guys just in game struggle. Kurt Roper yeah. was the, Kurt Roper was the same way. Uh, B Mac yeah. wasn't. B Mac just didn't have a second pitch once they got off the RPOs. You want to see good play calling? Unfortunately, you're gonna have to sit through the 2020 season, uh, or go back to 2015 around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not pro style. It's, it's, the, it's this, this offense and, and pro style can be conceptually what the, a lot of the pros, they, they kind of copy each other anyway, nothing wrong with that. It's, it's the other internal guts of it. Uh, Matt says, happy to be five and two. still think we have the talent to be better on offense. I think, uh, we have, and Cam says we have the worst fans. That's not true. Look in the stands. We have a very talented offense and even more coming in. Stop that said narrative. We'll never be a championship. Blah, blah, blah. Go to Reddit. Blah, blah, blah. Arkansas was a bad early season loss. Well, Nick, yeah, I, I just, if you still believe this, um, after I tell you this, it's fine. KJ Jefferson hasn't been playing for them uh, until last week, and they thumped BYU on the road. Of course, BYU got smoked by Liberty. See how Arkansas does by Liberty, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a bad deal. No. Uh, there, Tiffany says the offense just needs to do enough to win and not lose the game. Or, or agreed. Um, ten next going to the Tennessee game. Uh, blah blah blah. Lloyd's late touchdown run before the snap. A comment to people with me that our receivers had wide splits. What does that do? Create running lanes. I doubt we'll see much more than that. Five and two. Uh, plays and drops completely changed that last game. If not, with two to hundred. 50 to 300 RPIs. Drives were cut short. Your boy Bell dropped another key pass. Everybody drops passes. Yeah, he you know, dropped so, one. I mean, yeah. So did Jalen Brooks, you know. Um, so many people held here don't understand this game of football. Slow down the tape and see how many receivers are running open. Well, here's Just, the thing. You're not slowing down the tape in real time. We can sit here and be critical of that all we want to, but I mean, if you, you've got what three to five seconds to get a playoff, a little longer if they're longer developing, maybe they can't see it. Or oh, so some people that watch film, some you of know, the film watchers out there don't don't they they are convinced guys are open when they're not. Ga Mangus actually, you know, said okay. Well, everybody's saying these guys are open because people were hating on one of his quarterbacks. He's like, well, let's watch what the quarterback's watching. And and, because the coaches have this behind the quarterback tape, completely different. You're like, oh, you know, and some of those times, like, you know, you're like, you know, I had somebody, one of the film watchers on the, on the board today talk about 
you know, he's critical of Rattler on that throw to Juice, which was a brilliantly awesome what, throw. That one that he yeah, the rope the, where, where Juice you know, only, only Juice could get it and was like, doesn't need to put that much air under it. I'm like, are you crazy? Freaking crazy! If you don't, it if gets you don't, that off. guy's gonna pick it off. <laughs> he jumps the route, so. takes it back to the house for six. That's the thing. I mean, you know, it's like I could write a dissertation after watching film in slow mo that would sound like Mike Leach, you know, telling you on every play somebody's open, right? But, yeah, I mean, well, sure. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Lady Bree. Have you seen the playbook or did Jordan Rogers convince you that the name is too long? Don't insult me like that. I mean, yeah, we, I didn't even listen to what Jordan Rogers said. I was at the Kentucky game. So, so, and I didn't watch the, I wouldn't watch the replay with the voice on anyway. So don't insult me like that, number one. Never, ever assume that I'm parroting something off, I saw off TV. Okay. I don't ever do that. Ever. You know, or did you hear from inside the program that those are the names? Uh, yeah. And I've also heard it from, uh, oh, on the record, um, Spencer Rattler said it. And on the record, his quarterback's coach said it this summer. And I think it was 13 words long. And we talked about it. Uh, but no, yeah, it's, you know, this has been something, I don't just pull this out of thin air and go, oh, offense is struggling, therefore it's too complicated. I love you, man. Uh, not his fault. Lloyd only getting three carries in the first half was awful. Rattler is the transfer that gets the ball on every snap. Well, okay. So where are so all right? So everybody says he struggled reading defenses at Oklahoma. Everybody talks about that being a fact. Why are you making him do that? Why are you putting him in an offense that that is? I mean, I could go on and on all this today. I mean, nobody's going to agree. Um, you know, certain positions Muschamp left the covered pretty bare. The secondary and linebackers, he left next to no depth. Receivers, he left very little. Quarterback, ditto. And he did leave Luke Doty. I mean, he, you know, safety issue, receiver was an issue. Uh, they needed to, they did have to go get some linebackers, but Green and Brad Johnson are his. So was Mo Caba. So there's three left. So I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, safety, yes. Secondary, no. Uh, Dow was his recruit. Darius Rush was left over from him. Jalen Foster was left over from him. Cam Smith was left over from him. You know, I, I don't know what more you want during a transition like that. And uh, and then he had then they had some guys leave from the secondary. Mm -hmm. Lance says, "I love old Sadie." <laughs> and believe you can evolve over time, but he ain't gonna get much more time. <laughs> Leave it to Lance. I love Lance comes in strong, man. <laughs> Zach says exactly how I feel, okay, JC. It's okay to be pleased with the record, but won't better from your team when you see a glaring witness. Um, yeah. Cam says I completely agree on the offensive issues. It's just nice to have a day where South Carolina fans focus on something positive. I agree. We'll do that in the second hour. Yeah. Yeah. Kalunda said, "Kulunda, Kulunda." I'm sorry. Um, the offense is just really hard to watch for extended periods of time with the play calls and rhythm of the plays. I hope Sat learns it quickly because we can't wait 10 years. Lady Bree says he doesn't think he's the Rams. He said if he could, he would, but knows he can't. Uh, it's not what the, what he said over the summer. So I don't know. I mean, you can use some concept. I just, maybe I, I don't know. 
Um, blah, blah, blah. Enjoy your shows and content. Go Cox. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, that corn dog, Jordan Rogers was eating. Okay. We're, we're not going to talk about Jordan. Rogers. All right. Cynical <laughs> says, JC, please rant your Todd Ellis voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blah 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 we recruited rattler on the basis we would make him pro ready this is his nfl like year we will benefit in the long term uh sat is a great coach and recruiter Doty shows what the offense can be uh in mop-up duty i'll remind everybody okay so everybody got all over jason brown and said he sucked you know, last year as the starter, I'll remind everybody how Jason Brown looked against Texas A&M after everybody was on the bench. And I'm not saying Luke Doty can't go in there and do some things. I think he's improved a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I'll, uh, you know, he's – I mean, does anybody remember the Vanderbilt game where, where kind of almost lost because the, he was – there were one-hopping passes and had no semblance of anything on offense? I mean, we saw him throw that touchdown to Corey Rucker. I think that's what everybody just thinks inside their head. That and his his ability to – I think he ran for a first down leading into that. Cam <laughs> says, if Rattler's numbers prior to being here shows how great he can potentially be, then why can't we assume the same for Sat? Uh, the name Cam is awesome. That's my brother's name, Cam. But I don't, Sat's never had an offense um, at the FBS level above 77. I, I wouldn't pull the numbers out. And I and I look, everybody, everybody, everybody was like, you know, that we're we're against the hire to start with. I argued with them. I said, well, you know, all that matters is what he does in South Carolina. I don't really care, you know, that Temple had the 77th ranked offense when they won 10 games one year. I mean, uh, all that good stuff. So Yeah, but Craig's got the right idea here, JC. Let's uh, let's hit a break, and we will pick up the discussion on the other side. Yeah, we're two minutes over. I'll be back. Well, I want to answer this one one thing from maybe. No offense to him, but I don't think Brad Johnson is really the kind of player we want to have starter at linebacker. Now, that's the the new coach's decision. You know, that's Clayton Mm Weiss' decision. And Brad actually played his best game Saturday night. Cobb and Green make two reliable good guys at linebacker, but not much depth beyond. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, not a lot of depth behind those three. I'm with you, but you know, uh, you remember Steve Spurrier's running back room when he first got to Carolina. I mean, now he kicked some guys <laughs> off and suspended some guys, but yeah, so that's it. But I, I just don't, you know, I, I, I looked at the team Saturday night and I was like, my God, look these guys that Muschamp recruited are all starting to play very well. I thought that was a positive. Um, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, Cam, I didn't think he did terrible at Temple either. They won, but but that's uh, that's different. All right, so we are going to come back. More Nana Sports chat box. I've got uh, something new that we started today. The poll question, by the way, and you guys can maybe answer this in the chat box and we can get off this topic for a little while. Uh, is Missouri a rival of South Carolina's? Because I've talked to some of their fans over the years, and they believe South Carolina not only is – uh, their rival, but perhaps their biggest SEC rival. So that's the poll question. It's on Twitter on the bigspur.com. We'll be back after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, 
Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man. hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with JC and Phil. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Give them a call, Adam or Derek Burgesson, or shoot them an email at a Burgesson, B E R G E S O N, at Remax.net for all of your commercial real estate needs. And uh, yeah, JC, the comments are still blowing up, but uh, I like uh, I like what Sandra says. We're on to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I like Belichick. Yeah, we're on. We're on Cincinnati. What was it? Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. I love we're how he lost the game against Chicago. Whoa! What, 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 team what team was that last night? What team was that, dude? Man, the, the mighty Bears have, yeah. have risen from the ashes. <laughs> it um, was raining. They're they're, they're mutters. Your mother was a mother. Bears love bad weather. I can't believe that franchise, how crappy they always are on offense. And but for somehow, some way, and Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, who we all are familiar with right. from the SEC and from UNC Fort Dorchester High School, they're having banner years. I just don't I don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. Lady Bree does chime in and says, I love these guys. Certainly don't mean to insult. Let me be clear, JC. That was a question because certainly people listen to commentators. I don't have your contents, but uh, contacts, but I watch every scrap of interviews and coverage I can find. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to get upset, man. You, we, we love having you part of this and uh, all that. But one thing I have noticed, because it's not just you. Uh, it's some of my members on the Big Spur, too. Uh, and some other folks, like like folks that watch film and and try to get into the X's and O's of football, right? Almost universally, they defend the offense quite a bit, right? But if you talk to coaches, it's a different story. Uh, and they add kind of a layer of depth to it, like this is good, this is not. You know, there's something. You know, and, and there's there's different levels of criticism. Uh, than just looking at the design and all that. And I'm not saying that's all you do. Um, I look at it, things, my personal opinion, how I kind of arrive at things with just like mostly personnel usage because football, I'll tell you this, I can't sit there and draw up a play. <laughs> uh, if you'd ask me, I, you know, give me a week to read football for dummies or something, I probably could. I can talk intelligently about it. Um, personnel, uh, have a long track record with that. So, you know, that's uh, that's kind of my strength. You know, I'd be – if I worked for an NFL franchise, I'd be in the personnel department, not not in the coaching department. And for me this year, J.C., that's exactly what is the biggest question mark, you know. Yeah. The personnel usage. It was like we put these packages in there with these guys out there, and it's just like, okay, well, what are we going to do with this? And, and then, you know, like Keith also said at the – you know, towards the beginning of the season is you're going to develop tendencies when you have these packages in there and defensive coordinators are going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got to be careful. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Saunders says, I judge because that's the poll question and the no's have it uh, mm -hmm. so far on, uh, on the big spur and the no, oh man, Twitter is mm -hmm. brutal. <laughs> uh, uh, on the, on the I help consulting mailbag. Line he goes the big spur pot is like no more so than temple. Oh, I see that. Mm. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, my boy Jim he uh, he tweets in off the I hope consulting mailbag. You can also get into the mailbag by tweeting. Uh, and I'm going to go through a couple of these right now. Uh, Jim's a good guy. He's in the business. 
like we are, uh, producer extraordinaire, uh, news radio guy. Uh, so many great moments Saturday, but I think my favorite is playing Turn My Swag On in the stadium right after the A&M win. These guys get, get it, and it's really freaking fun. <laughs> Turn My Swag On. Yeah, that's become kind of the theme song of the year, right? Thanks, Mark Stoops. Oh, a little Stoopsy. And don't get Keith talking about Mark Stoops. And Ooh, he just gets like enraged. Mark Stoops in his big fat head. <laughs> Keith, that's he forwarded me with his Josh Eichel comments a couple weeks ago. He's like, you know how I feel about fat ex quarterbacks. He doesn't like, yeah, he's weird, you know, so. Uh, Saunders says he judges rivalries based on his level of personal hate. Clemson, Georgia, and Florida, Tennessee are my personal tops. I wish Arkansas was since they entered the conference with us, but then A&M happened. Yeah, Carolina has never really hated Arkansas. I think Arkansas has always been one of those teams that the program is really it's kind of bizarre. You know, there's kind of like, you know, um, somebody was comparing them like the, like the SEC schools to countries – or European countries at one, and they were Scotland. <laughs> to play the back pie. Yeah, a little, a little, a little different, but you don't want to really, you don't want to really mess with them, you know. <laughs> and you're like, oh, welcome to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm Stuart McGregor. McGregor. <laughs> I'm Stuart McGregor. I'm the governor of Arkansas. Blue pig see Razorback. <laughs> Let's call the hugs. All right. What were you going to say, Phil? I'm sorry. I was gonna, well, no, that's funny, though, because, you know, Tennessee could have been three states, <laughs> and one of them would have been just like that. <laughs> no, but for me, the rivalry, the Clemson, obviously, yeah, Georgia. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, brother. And North Carolina. I go North Carolina's North Carolina. on your More list. More so huh? than Missouri. Uh, you know, we were forced into Missouri because they were – for some reason, even though being one of the westernmost teams, put in the east, <laughs> I think a lot of that had Alabama influence in it. But I'm not going to get how, into that. <laughs> how odd is it too if you're South Carolina and, and you know you have three games every year that have a trophy: the Clemson game, obviously, the Palmetto Trophy, or whatever. It's, that's, that's been at Clemson for a while. Probably need to dust mm -hmm. that one off. Hopefully, um, I'm not going to say that right now, though. Uh, and then the other two trophy games are teams against that that came into the league from the Big Twelve ten years ago. <laughs> it's a Big Twelve. The trophy games are a Big Twelve thing, though. I think. Well, I, you know, well, I, I guess the governors did. The governor Haley and Governor uh, Rick Perry, hmm. who you know, it's kind of funny that a Clemson and a Texas A and M fan came up with this idea. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> um, you know, they came up with the, the Bonham Trophy, right? And But then the mayors of Columbia, Missouri, and Columbia, South Carolina came up with the Mayor's Cup. I like the Mayor's Cup idea. I think it, it has a little spice to it. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's been, quite frankly, embarrassing South Carolina. You know, South Carolina against this Missouri team, three straight totally embarrassing losses, in my opinion. Um First embarrassing loss came when uh, they lost 34 to 14 against a Missouri team that was average as grits, led by Kelly Bryant, uh, who's average as grits. I think Barry Odom got fired after that year. Um, and the Gamecocks gave them 14 points. And you, you want to talk about bad play calling? Oh, One terrible. of the worst, worst decisions I've ever seen. 
you know, you, you've battled all game. You fell behind. Polinski gave them a touchdown. You're battling back. You're 17-14. Well, they score 24-14. Your defense is playing pretty well, right? Not not great, but not terrible. It's 24-14. You're inside the 10, you know, midway, you know, late, early fourth, fourth quarter, I think, Phil, inside mm-hmm. the five, and you throw a pass. I know. And all you had to do is run it up the middle and or to a tall sweep or something. And uh Kick the field goal because then you're still only down by a touchdown. Live mm-hmm. to fight another day. Well, it, unfortunately, it was a hundred yard pick six, and the game was over. Yeah. And then the second time, you know, there was no reason for the Missouri defense to come in and punk Colin Hill and the entire uh, offense for the first half, seventeen nothing. Uh, and, and then the Gamecocks couldn't complete the comeback when Doty came in. And the defense. So, somehow that was the last little bit of life that defense had for Carolina that year, even though all the opt-outs, 17-10, embarrassing loss. And then last year was a complete – you had all the momentum in the world. Missouri's desperate trying to get to a bowl game. Uh, you let their D coordinator scheme you up like that. He's not even yeah. coaching in college mm-hmm. anymore, nor should he be. No. Um, <laughs> you can't get anything going. You get all those turnovers and you still lose. and only have 250 yards. Bad. But let's buy them, okay? Bad. And give up, oh, and give up all those rushing yards. I don't want to absolve the defense. Uh, Quantrill says, I hate A&M's our cross rival. It makes no sense. That's not going to be that way for very long once no. yeah. Texas and OU come in the league. Those are – A&M ain't going to be playing. The bottom trophy won't be at stake, but for – you know, I think the way they're going to do it, Phil, is you're going to play every other team – every team in the league over the course of four years. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll play them twice because it's a home-and-home. Every four years, yeah, a, yeah, A and M's not going off the schedule, but they're not going to be the every year opponent. Um, Craiger says, "I know when I see Juice running off the field on third down, I want to bite somebody." Uh, same here, Craiger. I'm just like, where, where's he going? Where, where's he going? <laughs> Man, maybe I didn't notice it. Why does that happen? Is it's that the personnel? Yeah, he, is that the- Juice Wells is going off the field on third down. He will Maybe run him out of there, and I don't know, you know, if it's, um, you know, some third and short situations where they're bringing sure. in Wyatt Campbell and Nate Atkins, and they're just running with a bigger package. But it's not just that; it ha- it's the personnel groupings. Um, you know, like I said, his dogmatic adherence to script is aggravating at times. But this, it's the same thing when it comes to these personnel groupings. Is just run them off of there, and then next thing you know, you got you know Josh Van Xavier getting Jaheim Bell in there, and I'm like, well, you know, why can't Jaheim Bell, Jalen Brooks, Austin Stogner, and Juice Wells all be on the field at the same time with Marshawn Lloyd in the backfield? How often does that happen? I'd love to see the stats on that. Shoot, let's put our best players out there. Go play ball. It's, you know, you're going to be a uh, uh, Jaheim. You're going to be the bandit. Yeah. <laughs> let's run steamers, Spencer. You think you could run steamers today? <laughs> Spencer just kept throwing off his back foot. So we put Luke in. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're spoiled. Maybe that's it. Ah, you know, the I, best we, play caller in history, and I bring him up every day because I'm missing. And we um, get the advantage of looking at it in retrospect, you know, and having watched it a couple, three times. But I mean, I try to keep that, you know, I, I try to keep that in mind before I start talking about it too. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> now I'll admit I thought it was time for him to go when he refused to 
Obviously, you, you want to talk about a staff. That staff was whew. yeah, that was <laughs> there's a, there's maybe maybe and uh, late. I'm gonna give Lady Bree a ch- uh, you know she just made a good point. Look, don't if he doesn't turn it around by the end of the year, maybe that's it. Okay, uh, so maybe he will. But if he doesn't, then there's obviously one weak link on the staff. Okay, maybe a couple. That last Spurrier staff, oh buddy, shoo buddy, that was, oh that was tough. That was tough. Um, And he wouldn't make any changes after 2014. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I thought I thought at that point he lost his bite a little bit. Quantrell says I want Texas as a permanent cross rival. Trip to Austin every other year sounds nice. Yeah, I don't know. I saw one model that had a uh, 3-6 model that had Oklahoma as one of the Gamecocks' three permanent opponents. But that's the only thing I've seen like that. I've uh, My guess is, you know, because they had to get the so, – so they're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're, I mean, they're, or 8-8, eight eight, you know, or whatever, you know. They had to get the South Carolinas and Kentuckys and, and, and Missouris of the world uh, to come into the nine games, right? Because yeah. – you know, and rightfully so. Those schools are kind of worried about making bowls and, and having winning seasons and things like that. And, you know, South Carolina already plays Clemson and has a lot of other, like Miami, Virginia Tech on the schedule coming up, NC State, North Carolina, teams like that. Uh, and so the compromise from what I was told is this, Phil, is like, okay, so in other words, you got three permanent opponents. Okay, so Georgia will have – they'll definitely have Florida. And definitely, I think with three, they'll definitely have Auburn. Right. But then they'll have, like, Vanderbilt, you know, or somebody like that, you know, uh, or, or or Ole Miss. You know, South Carolina, though, they'll have probably or, – or, you know, I'm sorry, South Carolina. Georgia will probably have mm-hmm. South Carolina. It'll probably mm-hmm. be Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina. And, yes, so South Carolina will have Georgia every year, but then they'll have, like, Kentucky and Mississippi State. Uh, and then the then the six rotating, you just play like okay. So you got your three, then you play the first six one year, and you play the second six the next, and then then you have so it goes A B A B, yeah, home and home. Which I which I think if you're gonna go to nine, I think that's cool. Yeah. I, what I don't like is doing away with the divisions, quite frankly. But I don't know how you structure the divisions. Uh, with eight teams in them, they, and then yeah. I would even maybe have ro- like like rotating divisions or something like okay, so this year you're going to be in Group A this year because like man, that's going to ha- just having the top two teams and then all the you have all these tiebreakers and in the SEC we all know tiebreakers sometimes come down to athletic director vote. Boy, that's not going to be political. You think Alabama's going to vote for Auburn to go to the SEC championship game? Hell no. Yeah. After they just beat them in the Iron Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Roll Tide. Yeah. Roll Tide. Um, Tiffany says, we all know Missouri should have been put in the West and Auburn moved to the East, but Daddy Bama wasn't about to let that happen. It, it wasn't so much Daddy Bama. It was, it was the scenario I was talking about because at the time, Auburn and Bama were really good. They had won three straight mm-hmm. national games, four straight between them, Tiffany. So, so what happens? what happens with – all right, so you got an undefeated Auburn, undefeated Alabama. Uh, Auburn's won the East. Bama's won the West. They're one in three in the country. They play in the Iron Bowl, but then they're going to turn around and play in Atlanta the next week. Yeah. So what? Uh, so what does that Iron Bowl game mean? 
you know, Auburn was clamoring to go to the East. I mean, because they at the time they're like, well, we'll mop up in the East. We're a war yeah, eagle. Yeah, war eagle. <laughs> then they proceeded to lose to Georgia like 98 times in a row. <laughs> and being Georgia since the 1800s. No, but it, it's uh you know, they just proceeded to start to lose to Georgia every year. So that that kind of that you didn't hear that much from the Plains anymore. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would like to see them do some sort of not like a true pod system where, you know, you're, but I don't know. So, so then is it fair if one side one year is just terribly down and the other side has all the good teams? I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but I, I just don't like the, all right, we're going to rent, we're going to have 16 teams in the standings and whoever's one and two plays. I just, uh, I think the big 12 doing that with 10 is enough. Um, (laughs) So and anyway. that gets messy too. That's just that that just leaves it to to be way too messy. Yeah, Kennedy yeah. says divisions are going away. They are. They're, they're mm-hmm. going completely away. Yeah. Um. Joey Sox says I think the issues with the women's basketball team and Don Staley with Mizzou definitely added some spice to the rivalry. Yeah, that was just that was pathetic. Yeah. Uh, on Missouri's part, not South mm-hmm. Carolina's. Missouri's part. So that's uh, that's that's the whole thing there. So I'm just uh, uh, I thought that was awful, you know. So we keep going. Pod system not going to happen. Uh, JC, if you scroll up, I outlined how that would work. Four pods of four each plays their all their pod and one other pod each year. It creates two dynamic divisions. I would love that. I've just they've just talked about it being kind of off the table. So and, and you know whenever you have something like that, there's going to be a lot of angling. With uh, oh, why'd you put me? You know, because you like so. So, how do you determine the pods? Is it is it Vanderbilt? I mean, so Vanderbilt, everybody's going to want to cozy up to Vandy and play in their pod, right? Yeah. Well, I think they start with, you, you know, I think the league will start with the traditional rivalry. So, you know, the third Saturday in October is not going away. Georgia Auburn will not go away. The Iron Bowl. Won't they're go willing to protect yeah. that. And see, so yeah. now with with Tennessee finally winning the third Saturday in October, they're going to want to play more. Juan <laughs> Trell says the Satterfield discussion is nauseating, and the hard truth is if Carolina somehow gets to nine win this season, he is coming back unless hired away, including will win. I will remind you, Juan Trell, one William Larry Muschamp. Is that really Fire. his middle name? Larry, yeah, it is. is it Larry? It's on, it's on, well, it's on Wikipedia. Uh, got rid of Kurt Roper after a nine-win season. Uh, I would be careful of uh, assuming assuming that. Uh, and then have a permanent opponent in each of the other three pods. I, I like that idea, maybe. I wish uh, you would call the SEC and tell them. Because, I, I, you know, as far as how the schedule sets up, the three six six, I don't mind that. But as far as how they determine it goes to Atlanta, it's it's almost a situation where, Phil, if you could work it out, you know, when people talk about the SEC having their own playoff, it would almost be awesome if they could figure out a way to have semifinal Saturday and then mm-hmm. championship Saturday. In other words, okay, you're, you know, everybody – all right, so everybody – and then Clemson would have to get moved somewhere else, obviously, so would Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. But, like, the Thanksgiving weekend, you're like, all right, Everybody's going to play an extra game. One's going to play four. Two's going to play three. You know, and then we're going to seed everybody. Like five will play six, seven will play eight. Everybody gets played an extra game. If you play a team twice, so what? It's like the NFL anyway. Um, so uh, I think, uh, and, and then you have semis. You know, you could do them on campus sites. 
Can you imagine mm-hmm. semifinal Saturday? Whew. Of course, <laughs> we won't. We won't have da 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 da. da. That's going to. That'll be Purdue at Northwestern that weekend. <laughs> oh, did I make that noise? Those listening on podcasts may think that did not come out of my mouth. I'd be pretty impressive if that was the case. So, anyway, um, we'll be right back. We have some. Uh, I have a mailbag question from that I need to read an answer to from Soda City Chicken, who is our featured. Uh, I'll say this, our featured mailbag contributor today so what i'm going to do every day i'm going to take a mailbag question from one of you guys inside the gamecocks at gmail.com and i'm going to to write an answer out on the big spur if you're not a member of the big spur don't worry it's it's not going to be behind the paywall it'll be right there for you to read then i'll read it on the air i guess the tbs is a little more interactive contributing to the poll you know it, it gets me another article out there i could distribute on things uh makes our daily digest on the uh on the website a little bit more in depth uh it gets you guys some 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 pub out there uh so so there you go so i'll, I'll pick may not always be the best one maybe the one i have the best answer for uh instead of the best question but uh get send those mailbag questions in inside the game at gmail.com and you can get featured in an article um and that would be good all righty We'll be back. Final break on a terrific Tuesday or tremendous Tuesday or something. Uh, We'll be back uh, after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor at M E R T A Y L O R or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M C K E L L A R Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. 
com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, with JC Sherbert and Phil Mullinax. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at the Remax by the Lake. Uh, give Adam or Derek Burgesson a call or shoot him an email at aburgesson, B E R E G. B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at Remax.net for all of your commercial real estate needs. And uh, one thing to clean up about uh, Meredith Keller, I was texting with Mary last night, JC, and she is moving her online uh, courses. They're pushing that back to the first of the year. Okay, so Mm -hmm. 2023, right at the beginning of the year. And uh, Keep an eye out on her merch store here, everybody. I'm just gonna say it like that. That's yeah, I like her merch. I like her merch. I gotta order me some. Uh very soon, very soon. All right. So I told you we're having eye Elkis holding mailbag question uh in an article. Right? And then we'll 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 try this out for a while if if it sucks and nobody nobody responds and then we won't. Soda City Chicken's a prolific member of the uh uh, I help consulting mailbag team. <laughs> uh, JC Phil, we can't count on crazy turnovers and special team scores every week, but if we combine opportunistic uh, on these special teams and then just build on the offense we've had against Kentucky and M, we can 100% be seven and two or maybe eight and two. I would start Debo Williams over Brad Johnson and Tonka over Boogie. Make sure Lloyd's centerpiece of your offense the whole game and get to the counterplay sooner. Give Rattler more of those quick passes and back shoulders to your tight end mismatches. Give Juice the long ball instead of just Brooks. I think somebody talked about Juice getting a vertical. Missouri can't match up with Juice. Have a play-action passing play off a counter where Adkins motions back and forth. Also, where the RPOs to Bell. All right, so I took this in parts. See what you think. I said, 
Thanks for the entry. Here's the response for my point. I agree you can't count on those things every week. I will say the defense has been good lately, getting stops, getting off the field. That will be important against Missouri. The Tigers are not the best offense in the world, so the more stops, the more chances the offense has, the more likely they are to put points on the board. I also should have added you wear the Missouri defense down, yeah. you know, because they're they're on the field the whole time. Uh, I said there's no question better offense increases the chances of South Carolina being 8-2 with Tennessee coming to town. But there's, there's some doubt here, though. At this point, it is what it is, but there's no reason why the Gamecocks can't go out and win with what they've been getting, at least for the next three weeks. Yeah, see, I, I think it's going to take better offensive performance, obviously, to beat Tennessee and Clemson. I think the Gamecocks can win the next three, getting what they've got. And, and what that is is enough. That, that word enough, right? <laughs> enough. Just got to um, do enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, I love Debo Williams. He's made some very nice plays this year. Brad Johnson played perhaps his best game against AM. And he did. Brad was pretty solid mm-hmm. uh, against AM. I think Taka Hemingway is just fine with how much he's been playing because uh, he's been playing more than Boogie. Uh, Boogie's a good player, too. They both need to be, be on the field because you want to rotate up front on defense. Those guys don't get gassed. I think Marshawn's definitely earned the right to be the focal point of the offense. We aren't sure why he only had three carries in the first half against Texas A&M. It's one of those mystery deals. He did carry the team in the second half. Your other play ideas are just fine. We're big fans of Antoine Wells, and he's a matchup problem. As for the RPOs, they're trying them. I think you're talking about the specific one Jaheim Bell scored on the bowl game. That was the pass from Nolan. They also ran that against East Carolina, and Zeb threw a pick. Just an errant throw. Jaheim could have scored on that one, too. That's a good play for Jaheim. So my guess is that's what you're wondering about. Uh, and that kind of just depends on the look the defense is giving. I'm sure when you when you scouted South Carolina, you're kind of watching that. You know, yeah. I said thanks for the mailbag entry. Uh, by the way, the the Mayor's Cup poll is saying oh, it's close on Big Spur. Sixty six say no, thirty three percent say yes. Mm-hmm. It's like eighty nine eleven on Twitter. So, <laughs> there you go. So, so once again. Uh, inside the inside the game packs at gmail.com or tweet to at the big spur pod, and we will get you uh all set up with some um awesomeness, uh, in terms of uh being a part of the kind of the daily show digest on the big spur.com. Uh, Tristan asked about Brandon Winton Jr., made his top eight 2024 kid, uh, former basketball player, IMG Academy. Uh, I think he's a good player. Don't know a whole lot about like the Gamecocks chances. Top eights this early, Tristan, uh, to me, you're just kind of, uh, I don't know. May as well throw darts at a dartboard. <laughs> uh, it's the or, biggest schools to officially offer to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. So one time I was doing national recruiting, right? It's really good three-star kid, right? A good, a really good, guy, good kid. I don't, I, I, I don't think he ever played in college football. And it's, it's Christmas Eve, okay. And back then, you know, I was always talking to recruits, chasing stories. You know, you got story quotas, all this other stuff when you work at a place like Rivals. And uh, Kev was from Orlando, so it was in my territory. He calls up and he's like, "Mr. Sherber, I'm gonna drop." And this is seven Christmas Eve now. I'm gonna drop my top. 16 at 10 30 and it is a it, man it was like uh, man and he didn't have that many offers either you know i, I think colorado <laughs> state offered him a preferred walk-on right so he is like 
he did include them as tough. He's like, man, Florida. And that's when Florida was rolling. He's like, Florida, uh, you know, uh, Miami, uh, Florida State, uh, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, Michigan, Southern Cal. And then he got toward that. He's like the Merchant Marine Academy. And then he's like, it's just saying, screw it, go in the Army. <laughs> and he's like, don't put – he didn't use the word screw it. Uh, he used the f bomb, and uh, and it was so funny because he was like, "Don't put, don't put that f bomb in, in there, man. Don't put that in there." <laughs> yeah, but I did put like he's considering going into the uh, military, into <laughs> service academy. Dude, it was like because it got through all the like all the big time programs, and he it, then it it got into Colorado State. I think he said Eastern Washington. I didn't even know the Merchant Marine Academy had a football team. I didn't either. Um, but I, I'll never forget that, uh, nor will I forget later in my career. And this is when I kind of decided, man, I don't want to really do this anymore and, and, and deal with the day-to-day grind. Twitter's starting to come out at that time. These kids are, you know, whereas they used to kind of count on us as, as kind of their PR people, right? Yeah. Because um, if you did get articles written about you, guys, you know, nobody noticed you, so it was in your bed. But then they had Twitter, and they became their own PR people. And I was uh, helping out with our Arizona State site, right? Hmm. Kid with one offer from Arizona State. Uh, he had bad grades, you know, and so he, he was going to have to go to JUCO or they were just going to take him and see if they can get him in, you know. He's from Arizona. This kid commits on New Year's Eve <laughs> at 8 o'clock. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, wow. You have one offer, dude. It's no secret where you're going. And uh, we got to sit here and cover this thing on New Year's Eve. I was like, and it was just, I think it was just like a Twitter announcement or something, but it was still like, that's what I said. Ah, this is getting out of control. I got to, yeah. I don't want, I mean, I love this game. I love recruiting. I, I loved one of the favorite parts of that. What I did was helping guys, helping kids get on the radar. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Uh, Joe Mixon, we all know him. He's kind of infamous. Um, shoot, man. I was at 24-7. We didn't have a California guy. I just started – Jerry Hamilton and I started watching a bunch of film from California. We were we a bunch of guys with no offers, and they ended up blowing up. Joe Mixon was one. Royce Freeman was one. Uh, I don't know how we got lucky in California doing those rankings. We didn't have anybody. And uh, we went out there sparingly to see guys in person. Uh, so Joe Mixon, like I ranked him when he had one offer. He ended up with like 52. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, he had an incident or whatever. But I think he still yeah. played in the NFL. But uh, oh, yeah. I, I love that part of it. I love I love to travel, love to see the, the country, love going to different high schools and stuff. But, man, oh, man, that day-to-day where you have to deal with, like, ego, kids that are like, you know, they don't, you know, no respect for – you doing your job. And then, then, you know, you started getting no interviews, please. <laughs> you know, man, you know, I'm, I, I've announced I'm going to decommit from Furman. No interviews, please. No interviews, you, please. Find, <laughs> if you find out Furman dropped him, you know, and yeah. he's, he's probably not going anywhere. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell recruiting stories this summer. Um, Jay says there are two glaring problems with Carolina football. Spencer Rattler, decision-making and Satterfield play calling. How should Beamer address this? I think you just got to keep coaching this year. Keep trying. Try to win as many games as you can. And Jay, uh, 
Nice Batman outfit, by the way, Jay. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's strong. That, that's that's strong. But let's just leave that there for a sec because that, that that's pretty I like strong. That. that is nice. Uh, that's strong. Uh, you know, I think I think he's going to keep coaching and hope they get it. And you know, if, if Beamer has to continue to remind Sat, hey, get get the ball in these guys' hands. That's fine. Everybody kind of freaked out about that, guys, but that's not something that's that's all that uncommon for a head coach to go, hey, get this guy the ball. You know, and 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 I'll be honest, it's happened uh, with Beamer and Sat uh, quite a bit. I think Beamer said Beamer said this in public second half. He's like, uh, I guess second half against Florida. I guess, I guess it was Auburn. He said, just get the ball into Quandre White's hands and see what happens. Yeah. Trust you know. So that's what happened. Uh, maybe says Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Missouri, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn. All right, so 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 pod one, pod is A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri. Pod two is LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Pod three is Auburn, Alabama, Vandy, and Tennessee. Pod four is Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky. I'd sign up for that tomorrow. Yeah, not uh, yeah. Carolina's not getting rid of the Georgia Bulldogs, right? No. And they're they're not what getting, I want them to. You yeah, know they're, I mean? they're not getting rid of those guys. I mean, you know, and you, you got to catch them, you know. And uh, you know, Florida, Kentucky, Carolina's beating those the, the, those those teams. Um, Lady Bree says I can only keep up with JC and Phil mainly as I'm practicing a new eyeshadow technique today, so I'm not chat watching the chat box as much. Okay. It's hard for me to keep up with the chat box too, Lady. So yeah, I feel you. All right, so Meredith says, email me to get on the waiting list for in-person or virtual golf lessons. Yep. McKellar Enterprises. Pin that to YouTube, so if anybody needs to remember it, it's there. All right. Cool. Stacy says the offense needs to cut down on turnovers. Agreed. And look, you can't turn the ball over against Missouri now. Nope. Uh, Now, look, they they weren't as egregious against A&M as they could have. What, what, the one fumble? No interceptions? Uh, One fumble. Two. Two. Yeah, Juju and Spencer, both. Well, that could have been costly. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what. Right. Just uh, I lost years watching this game, <laughs> <laughs> and hair, and I don't have a hell of a lot. I must have stepped outside when Juju fumbled or something, but uh, yeah, because I came back in, and I was like, "How the hell did I get, get, get the ball back?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess she said, "Yeah, my, my fiance filled me in on that." I do remember that now. I don't. I didn't go back and watch every single play. H man says, "Hey guys, hope all is well." Hello, H man. Glad you could pop in the chat box today. Joey says, "Cam Scott was at the football game Saturday. Obviously, not a football player, but that had to be a hell of a thing to see on top of everything he did with Lamont and the basketball program." Yeah, Cam Scott, four star, twenty twenty four basketball recruit. My understanding is things went well. Uh, one nugget on him. Gigi Jackson's experience this year at South Carolina will go a long way toward determining uh, if Cam Scott comes to – I'm not going to say comes. I'm going to say ser- is serious about Carolina. Uh, and I'll keep, keep telling – reminding people, in basketball, <laughs> NIL is completely over the top. So uh, – because there's not that many players, you know, like in football – you know, you, you have to fork out a lot of cash to, to really take care of a lot of like like A&M did last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, in basketball, you know, there's two or three. So and all the, you know, these basketball schools, too, that are basketball focused, they put a lot of money into it I mean, because they have 
they don't have a lot of boosters putting money in football. They're basketball schools. So in other words, like Villanova, you know, they don't have a huge fan base, but they got some high rollers and they love Villanova basketball. Mm-hmm. Drew says, keep finding ways to win ugly, run the ball with Lloyd, give Rattler easy throws. Beaver will handle the OC this offseason. Nothing is changing this season. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. what I said. I mean, after they beat Kentucky, I was like, okay, well, nothing's going to change. And that's fine, you know, because I think it, it, it would be – it would take something very catastrophic to change in a week. That, that throws your team all – you don't have a lot of chance for success. If you yeah. do that, and I know around here, you know, we we we, we remember Steve Spurs is, is kind of unorthodox. He would change defensive play callers week to week, and hell, you never knew who was calling the offense half the time either. Right. You know, <laughs> well, shoot, I let our wide receivers coach call that game today. Everybody's cringes, you know. You the thing with that, that you could always tell when Spurrier was calling him. <laughs> and I think the last game he really truly called and like dialed him up was Auburn in 2014. He diced Ellis Johnson mm-hmm. to death. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he called a few uh, at LSU his last game. Uh, Perry Orth had a nice big touchdown pass in that one. You could kind of tell it looked like Spurrier, but you could tell what it looked like when it was Spurrier versus – and then Mangus looked different, and then uh, when Junior recalled it, it looked different. Junior kind of looked like Kurt Roper and Marcus Satterfield. Run, 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 pass, 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 same thing, same thing. H-Man says, Missouri game looks like it might be a grind-out affair similar to the U.K. matchup. Yeah, I would I would, I would, would caution uh, about taking Missouri lightly. I think they have uh, they have a defense at the level of Kentucky's. Uh, they're yeah. the most improved defense in the country. They did a great job in the portal uh, on defense, and they got – here we go. They had an NFL DC. Well, now they got a dude that was just rocking it at Louisiana Tech with Skip Holtz, and he's killing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I um you know, I, I think they're their, their offense is really struggling. The thing is, Drinkwitz is a sneaky good play caller. He hadn't had a great year this year, but man, they'll they'll run some they like to attack you on the outside, run the wide zone type plays and stuff. Now, I haven't watched them a ton. This year, watch their game with Auburn that they almost won. Uh, they just don't – they don't have – this is a yet another offensive line that's struggling. Yeah, you should be able to get at this quarterback and really yeah. disrupt things. I yeah. mean, in, in fact, you know, Vandy's struggling everywhere. Uh, I don't know about Florida's offensive line. Perchance I shall scout the Gators. Yeah, well, we'll see how they do against Georgia right. this week. I was going to say, yeah, you may not learn very much watching them this week. <laughs> uh, Queasy says another goose egg against Clemson should get Satterfield out of here. Not that I'm hoping for that. I, I'll have some thoughts about that game. I, after, you know, they, they just struggled to beat Syracuse, but I'll caution everyone. They struggle to beat Syracuse a lot. Yeah, that's they've had <laughs> that number. That's kind of their Kentucky, and they only they win. <laughs> they won. Yeah, it's kind of um, like when they used to struggle against Wake, but actually lose. Oh, dude, yeah, they used to Wake. You, Wake was the Wake cost Tommy Bowden his job. Dabo's never lost to him. Nope. So, um, Saunders says Auburn twenty fourteen was one of the best offensive performances I've seen. No confidences in the 
whammy defense, and it showed. I still watch it back sometimes to remind me what a real low looks like. Jeff Fowler says, did you see the punch the DL from A&M threw in Lloyd in the head? I did not see that. No, I missed that. Yeah. Uh, and Matt, we'll, we'll, run, we'll end it today with Matt. This will make everyone feel better. That's all right. Mike Bratton, our boy, SEC Mike, from that SEC podcast, says South Carolina is beating Clemson. Just temper your expectations uh, because he said A&M would beat us as well as Kentucky. So yeah. <laughs> take Clemson that for what it's worth. <laughs> Clemson ain't, insert four wet-letter word. <laughs> Clemson ain't, I don't know, man. Their uh, defense, know, when they turned, they flipped a switch at some point, and that little guy on the sideline started, I don't know, you know, and then all of a sudden, those guys started playing. Syracuse went nowhere. And then all Dabo did was like, you know, because Dabo now that he, he he's kind of on his third OC that, that owes his career to Dabo, he's back where he was calling plays again. I think he's better at it, though. And they're so, so, so much more talented than, than they used to be. They can just line it up and run it. And that's what I think he wants to do. Old Alabama guys, they don't. They don't want even if they were wide receivers, they don't want to throw the ball. No. And so Dabo is just like, well, we're gonna put Kate in and we're just gonna run it. And then their defense, the defensive goblin guy over there is like nah, 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 nah. it's like his antennas came up. He's like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> I'm not making yeah. fun of him. He's ball a, he's, control he's, and the clock, you know, he's the, a between that and the refs. And that could beat Carolina, you know, but last you know, Carolina comes out and stops the run. Because Clemson's offense is the same, their offensive line is the same as their defense. When their offensive line wants to play, they play well. Yeah, they play. They're yeah. talented. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they just don't play well. So we'll see. Uh, anyway. Rain Man. <laughs> we, will, we will start talking about Rain Man. <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I don't even know that it's the Rain Man. It's another guy that stands over there I think I was thinking about. But anyway, we're out of time. This has been a great episode. Uh, all of you folks that know that I get, if I get fired up, like I hope eight JM two comes back because I kind yeah, of gotten after him yeah, the last couple of days, you know, he just needs to cheer up and some other people, you know, I don't know. Uh, that'll be good though. Um, we'll get back to it uh, tomorrow. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. So that means Jamie Bradford tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, we got the yeah. Just looking ahead, yeah, Jamie Bradford tomorrow, uh, Thursday we got Brad Crawford, Chris Phillips will be on, uh, and Friday we'll be talking with Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post and Dispatch for some behind the scenes on what Mizzou's thinking this week. All righty, and Wando's world, and Wando's world. Boy, I can't wait for Friday, Phil. This is gonna be so special. Yeah, killing it. All right, folks, have a great uh, Tuesday for Phil. This is JC signing off. Talk to you soon.